welcome to episode 229 of the Customer Support Leaders Podcast. I'm Charlotte Ward. Today, welcome Matt Dale for a fireside chat. I'd like to welcome back to the podcast today, Matt Dale. Matt, lovely to have you back. We have spent a bit of time chatting in the last couple of weeks, haven't we? But we're finally, finally getting this one recorded because this is quite an important topic and something we're both kind of feeling the edge of, I think, at the moment. And uh, I'm sure we aren't alone out there in the world. So welcome back. And uh, what would you like to talk about today? Well, it's great to be back, Charlotte. Always fun to be on the podcast. Uh, And I want to kind of talk today about something that's on my mind a lot and I know on your mind. What happens when good people leave? Um, we know it's been a, a tough, unprecedented year, and I know we throw that word around a lot. Um, but it's it's been you know uh, with with the whole COVID thing and people not changing jobs, and then you know this whole crazy at least in the U.S. the the talk about the great you know um, resignation where where people are leaving their jobs in in large numbers as they've re- rethought their priorities after being you know isolated at home for a while. Um, and that's been, that's been hard. You know, we, as a, as a, as a world, we've been living in stress and fear and, you know, trying to balance work from home and school from home and just a really unusual working environment. Um, and and what that's meant, at least in my team and my company, um, is that, you know, we've, we've had a lot of turnover, um, both Mm -hmm. on my team and also on other teams in the company. And, and my, my job, I think as a support leader is to, our team at least is the, the feeder squad for the rest of the company. So we bring them in, we train them up, they learn our customers, they learn mm. our products, and then they, they have opportunities to move in other roles, which is really great. Um, I was talking with HR today and, and they said, hey, yeah, you know, let's look at the numbers for the year. And we had a team of 40 people. Um, and of that team, uh, 11 of those folks had moved into roles inside the company, which is again, what we're, awesome. what we're doing it for. Yeah. And then we yeah, had another yeah. eight that have moved to other roles in other companies. And so mm. looking at almost a 50% turnover year over year um, and knowing that I've got a bunch of open seats right now as we move into the new year, I just wanted to talk a little bit about kind of, hey, you know, what, what can we do to, as, as leaders to prepare for that um, and make sure that we're, <laughs> that we're as ready as we can be for when, when those really great people are, are moving into other roles. Yeah, that, that is a really awesome topic, this. And I think um, you and I, uh have kind of different takes on this because our teams are quite different in some ways but i know that we we share a common grounding in a long onboarding which actually means that you spend a a long time and a, a great deal of your existing team's t- investment in in onboarding people which means that you want them to stay and for your team what that means as you said you're a great feeder team for the rest of the company and those 11 that moved internally are really success stories aren't they for me they're they're graduating uh, right like we want them to go in that direction yeah exactly it's not the case really for my team where I am right now in that so the other end of this with my team is that you know, we have a similar, similarly large investment onboarding those people, but I want to retain those people in the team because because of look a lot of what they pick up during that long onboarding period and that training is not is not so much knowledge it's it's experiential um, like skills that you know skill sets and and ways of applying that knowledge that's actually more than an education and so like retaining that in the team is really super important to me. Um, yeah, yeah. So we're at different ends of the scale here, but but with that same starting block of the the big early investments. So I want to retain those people. You want to you want those people to graduate, but either way, we we don't want them to disappear off of our 
radar altogether, do we? Right. Yeah. And and I think you know as we look at the the support role too, in a lot of cases, um, it, it's a job that can be in some companies an entry level position and a chance for people to get their foot in the door and and then to graduate up. Mm. Um, and it's also a role that I think uh, can can burn people out, right? Like. Mm. People don't typically contact my team if they're having a great day, right? They're having they're having a problem or documentation didn't work, you know, so, something's not right, and that not right means that they're having a rough time. Mm-hmm. And like it or not, that often means that they're taking it out on somebody, and that somebody sometimes is on the other end of the phone or the email or the chat. And so, for for some <laughs> folks looking at this, like day in and day out dealing with someone's yeah. rough days, that that can take a toll. And so, we want to make sure that we're you know, being realistic on our expectations. I've seen in Mm. my team, uh, roughly a two to three year shelf life where folks come in and they have opportunities to grow and they learn the product. And, you know, we've got about a six month, like before they're sort of useful. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But after that first six months, then they're kind of giving back. And and really, again, from my perspective, the clock is ticking and we're either going to be moving them into a management track where they're managing people um, mm. We're we're helping them get a, a wider a breadth of knowledge and a depth of knowledge in particular areas, but really with the idea that at, at some point they're not going to necessarily want to be on frontline phones or frontline chat yeah. or frontline emails, and yeah. and being aware that that that's happening, I think is an important thing as leaders to kind of understand exactly. what it's like. Yeah, understanding what the dynamics are in your team and 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 what what I was the comparison I was just drawing there was exactly that. It's our different understandings of what the expectations are within our particular context, isn't it? I had to have a little chuckle when you said, you know, these these people are calling us, they're already having a bad day. <laughs> I was just thinking what swam through my mind then was how wonderful would it be to have a support team where the customers who phoned you only ever said things like just thanks for being there, dude. <laughs> Keep hanging in there. <laughs> that was all they said all day. After yeah. being in this job for 10 years, I actually, on my favorite brands, I'll go out of my way during a busy time to just say, hey, I hope you're having a good day. Tell your team you're doing awesome. You know, Go ahead and close this ticket out. No need, no work required. I just, I know it's tough right now and, and I'm, I'm reaching out to give you a virtual hug. And um, I wish we had more people that did that kind of a thing. Because yeah, again, so- we, we just get kind of beat up, you know? Yeah, support people are the best customers, aren't they? They really we're, are. The best really... people in general. I mean, that's, that's oh, of course. You know, let's, let's be honest. Saying. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. The number of times I've I've spoken to like some customer service dude at at the end of a busy day, and I've just said, you know what? I know this isn't your fault. I know. <laughs> like I'm, and I'm willing to be as patient with you as you need me to be. Like, and and help them get. To, yeah, it's just yeah, the dream customers. Anyway, so. <laughs> Back to our so what do we do with the problem, yeah. right? That's the yeah. that's where that's where we're at. And, and I, I kind of put on a couple notes as I've been thinking about this a lot with my team over the last six months. And the first thing I think you need to do is as a leader in this situation is really understand where your silos are. Um, it's very mm. easy to say, hey, you know, I've got Nick and he's really good at this particular function and and he he loves doing it. You know, on our team, that tends to be people that are involved in more technical work. Um, yes. so most of our team does stuff in the UI. But there's a few functions that need some SQL background. And so, you know, in this particular case, we had a guy named Nick and he was awesome. And he dived in and he wanted to know, you know, how does this work? And he worked with our, our, um, our data services team. He worked with our developers and he got a really good understanding of, you know, how to set up uh, single sign-ons and different things like that, that needed SQL database knowledge. Um, when he left a, a year and a half ago, it was like, oh, who's going to do what Nick used to do? And he was a <laughs> yeah. silo and we let him kind of get in that focus. And so it, it really, mm. the first step is to say, what are those things that only one person on the team knows how to do? 
Let's make sure we document the heck out of that. Let's make sure we're cross-training things. Let's make sure we're getting that knowledge out. Um, so it's not just mm. a, well, only Nick can do this because again, the odds of someone staying in, in a role like ours for, you know, retiring out of their career, doing that same mm. thing for, for many years, that doesn't happen a ton. We, we've got a couple on my team that are actually getting close to retirement time. So they might be in their last job, but for the most part, um, especially in this modern world, this isn't the last company you're going to work for. And if, if as a manager, you're treating your employees like, oh, this is, you know, the be all end all. And, and they're the only person who needs to know this. We're really deluding ourselves and we're not being prepared for someone eventually leaving. That's so true. And I think recognizing that siloist behavior, that siloism, if that's a word, it, in the moment it's happening, it's really hard actually, because you know, it's obvious when that guy leaves, but any any time before that that you capture any of that knowledge and any of those skills is is a benefit. But like spotting it early on is is where you need to be, isn't it? You've got to be hyper aware. And I, and I think again, in this environment that we're in now, you know, maybe you have, maybe your team hasn't had a big turnover yet, or maybe, mm. you know, you're not dealing with stuff that like Charlotte and I are dealing with right now. And um, if so, I just encourage you to kind of take a, a few minutes to think through or, or a little bit of time as you're wrapping up the year and preparing mm. for the new one going, Hey, where, where do we have those silos? Where are the one-offs, the people that know just this one thing, or, you know, no one else in the company understands how this process actually works because so-and-so is just so good at their job. Mm. Um, and and really identifying that I think is is important and that and that kind of being aware and, and end of year um, cycles it, it kind of brings us to the second part that I think is really important as you think about you know how do we prepare for this and and that's really just to get a good account of your team um, understand who on your team is kind of approaching whatever that shelf limit looks like on your on your for your company and for your mm-hmm. product um, in in my world um, we've had again a lot of opportunities on other teams for people to graduate and move up. And I, I know all the folks that have applied for those roles. For me, that's a, that's a hey, this person is, is ready for the next thing. Um, if that's something that we can accommodate at, at our company, that's awesome. And mm-hmm. if not, when, when they've applied for another role in the organization, that's a great sign that, that at some point they're thinking about where do I go in my career? And we, we may have them for a while longer, but we may also not. And they may also be looking at other companies. And so for me, it's not a, hey, I need mm-hmm. to treat that person differently, but I need to take stock and be aware that, hey, this person is, this position at some point is going to be filled or, or open and I'm going to need to fill it. So again, looking at my Nick example, hey, what are those specific skills for that particular individual? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's an exercise in de-risking, isn't it? I think really mm-hmm. it's, um, I, I, but I think what's really interesting about that is that in reducing the risk by like everything you just said around documenting the hell out of those silos, those knowledge silos, get getting someone else involved in that set of in that work stream or that set of skills that that particular person had. All of that reduces the risk for you. But I would bet my bottom dollar that it also increases the growth opportunity for the person who's in that silo as well. Because if you're the only person doing one thing, you're going to be the one person doing that one thing. But if that's diffused a little across the team, you have opportunity to grow. And therefore, it probably increases. I, my gut feeling is it would give, give a greater shot at retention of that individual anyway. Yeah, because I think what you're saying is, you know, if, if again, if only Nick can do this and we can't promote him to something else, because if we mm. promote him, we don't have anyone to do this. He's going to, whether that may be true or not, he's going to feel like, hey, I can't get another job on another yeah. team. And he may be looking outside the company. And I, and I think that's, 
I think that's real. And I think making, helping people see, Hey, look, we're investing in the, you know, building out kind of a shared knowledge. It's not just tribal knowledge in someone's head, but it's actually, you know, documented Mm. in Confluence or it's in our internal uh, knowledge base or something like that. I think that Mm. really helped. Yeah. Um, I think there's some other things too, as you kind of are taking account of your team that you want to be aware of and be looking for. And again, the end of the year, the beginning of the year is a really great time to do this. Um, understand who's essential to your operations. So for example, we've had a particularly busy back to school and one of our products was particularly busy. Um, we had a couple of folks on that team that were seasoned veterans. Um, and I know that the job market out there is hot and, and there's a lot of opportunity for folks. And so being able to say, Hey, this is, this is someone that I think is at risk. And I need to make sure that for my team, for my, my, my team to operate properly, I need this person in this role for a period of time. Being able to say, Hey, you know, can I, is their salary where it ought to be? Not maybe just even where, you know, I have had a back and forth with HR this year where they've, well, this is what the, this is what the salary is for the, um, the market value for this role. Yeah. The okay, benchmark. cool. Market yeah, value yeah. is nice, but yeah, this is what it's like. I know because of we've been doing, we had turnover that it's actually going to cost more to, to get the same sort of person right now because it's a hot market. We also have costs to the company where if I've got a recruiter that has to be involved in it and I've got to pull people off the front lines to be in interviews and I've got to train and onboard, like there's a huge cost to the organization. And so I can use that in my argument to, you know, our operations team to say, hey, you know, it, we need to keep so and so. Let I believe their salary is low. Let's do a, a mid-cycle adjustment. And I'd also like to to build in a retention plan. So we can say, hey, there's there's a spot bonus or a retention bonus if we get them, you know, through our back to school busy season, which for my company is really mm. important. So being able to to take stock of your team, understand where your risks are, understand who are people that are essential for those operations, and then do what you can to shore that person up or that role up um, is is really important. And that again is kind of a foresight rather than a oh crap, so-and-so resigned and now what do we do? Um, that, that's, yeah. a, that's a thing to do now rather than later. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It, it, it really relies on you having a good understanding of all of the individuals in your team, doesn't it? Every, everything you're saying here, really. Um, that taking account of your team is just super important. Absolutely. What else again, is on that list of notes? Perfect season. Yeah. <laughs> What else is on that list of notes? Yeah, so I've got I've got some other things to think about. Um, one of them is to dial in your hiring and onboarding process. Um, mm. It's very easy, and I've I've worked with with uh, other support leaders that I've mentored where it's like, well, I don't need people now. Um, if you wait until you need people, you're going to find yourself in a situation where, you know, there there's a lag time from when that person when you actually need yeah. them to when you can actually get them in, um, and and that results in a loss of productivity for your team and can really bury you during a busy cycle or something like that because you don't have the time to pull people off and start doing hiring and onboarding and things mm-hmm. like that. So I think identifying one of the exercises that my managers have gone through this um, last week uh, is really going through and saying, let's look at everyone on the team. Let's kind of figure out, you know, do we think any of these folks are going to be excited about moving into a new role or, or are they going to be looking? And, and we can, based on the accounting that we did, um, oh, hey, I think this one's got a 30 or 40% chance. Hey, this one seems like a 70 or 80% chance. We're going to hire a little earlier this year and we're going to hire more than we have empty seats for in the understanding based on the last two years that people are going to be moving into other roles. And that way we're, we're trained up, we're hired up, we're ready to go now or in February, March, rather than coming August and going, oh, we don't have enough mm-hmm. people to actually do the work that we need to do for back to school. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's kind of an aspect of that. And the other part is, making sure you've got that relationship with how HR does things or recruiting. And maybe that's a specific yeah. function in your company. Maybe you're smaller and that's you. 
regardless, it takes a ton of time. For for example, I think we average about three interviews per seat when we hire. Um, mm-hmm. And that usually involves a, a recruiter screening about 15, 15 uh, resumes and having about five um, you know, screening sessions. And so there's a lot of effort that it takes to get to there and, you know, being, being aware of what that's going to look like and making sure that process is as dialed as you can when you're not upside down and trying to figure this all out as, as you, you're down people is, is really important. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm completely on board with, uh, with being really active in the hiring process. I think, you know, these people are coming onto your team. You, Unless, unless you've got a thousand people reporting to you, I think you should have some personal investment in in your hiring process and 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 how how tuned it is for your needs. Absolutely, I think the people on your team are the most like that's that's so important. And as a leader, yeah. I mean, I, I've been in every interview for every person that we've hired. Period. Yeah. You know, since since I've been in Illuminate for ten years, and um, and I've learned a lot in that process. And and we have a process that's very. Um, proceduralized and very objective. Mm-hmm. So that allows us to really kind of go, hey, you know, do we have a candidate that's going to fit? Are they going to have the skills that they need? Are we going to be able to provide the support that they need to be successful here? Yeah. Um, and that doesn't just happen. You have to focus and work on that. So if it's not time to hire right now, uh, it's a perfect time to get ready to hire um, because you have a little bit of breathing room to think through that process. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you on that one. Awesome. And I have one last thought I think that I, I try to think about right now. and and. And this is less proactive and more as it's happening, reactive. Um, mm. And that's really just the internal communication with your team. Um, when someone leaves, whether they're you know, graduating to another internal role or they're leaving the company, um, that can be really unsettling for the folks that are left behind. Who's going to do so-and-so's role? What does this mean for my job? Is my job going to get harder? Um, they're, they're moving to another company. Does that mean that, that you know, rats off a sinking ship? Like, are there, are there problems here? <laughs> And being yeah. a proactive communicator and being able to say, "Hey, you know, we're really, we're really excited for the person that's moving into this new role or leaving the company. Um, here's what we're planning on doing to backfill that role. Here's how we're going to cover the now. Here's what mm-hmm. we're planning for the longer term. Here's what's been approved. Things like that are really important to be clear and communicate. That way, they're not wondering and going, "Oh, well, maybe they're not going to backfill. They're just going to expect me to do more work." Really, it's 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 showing that you're that you are understanding what their needs and concerns are, and that you're you know, proactive about that. And as they have feedback, you're able to respond to that too. So I think that that communication focus when you're in the midst of, you know, losing a lot of people can prevent other people who might just be on the fence from deciding, Hey, I want to go somewhere else. Um, they, they may say, Hey, no, this is actually a good place to work. Uh, you know, I heard it said one time, people don't leave companies, they leave bad managers. And, yeah. and I think that's kind of true in this situation. Again, there's a lot of mobility going on right now, but as a good manager and someone that's being proactive and communicating, that can really help people say, ah, this isn't something that I need to jump from. I can stay here. Yeah, I think that's super important to take care of the people left behind. And I know that last year, well, like I guess nearly two years ago, you and I sat on a panel talking about how to let people go, which is not the same as good people leaving. But but we did in that panel talk about the importance of of taking care of the folks left behind. And you know, I think I think I think that's just the the most important thing is ensuring that the team who's left behind um, know that you have their back and know that you are working on plans, even if you don't have all the answers right now, frankly. Um, and that at the very least, you understand this is going to be a hump for them. You know, I th- I think that that is something that we don't often really acknowledge. It's like, yeah, we're going to, so-and-so's left. We've got a hiring plan in place. 
it's all going to be fine. It's like, actually, there is always going to be an interim period where you're going to have to manage in every sense of the word, right? You're going to have to manage the situation, manage the the way through it, but you're going to actually have to just manage in a kind of coping sense as well. And I think like understand, like helping your team understand that you understand and that your expectations are probably going to shift somewhat during this period as well. I think, I think there's a lot you can do in that interim period, right? Because we're not dealing with widgets that we just plug a new mm. one widget leaves, we plug a new one. And we're, we're talking about people, human beings that have feelings and worries and concerns and that, and that we're asking them to do a lot to cover as as we're you know a company trying to get get through a, a situation that's a little tricky, acknowledging mm. that that the fears and the challenges you know maybe maybe that person's just sad because they were they were good buddies with the person that left and, and they're going to miss interacting with them on a daily basis. Like I think yeah. acknowledging that human aspect of what we're doing here um, is really important and can and can really help your team stay stable and stay strong through a lot of change, which. Again, this has been a, a couple of years of a lot of change. So um, so I think the more stability we can provide as leaders, the better that is. Yeah. And actually, you just raised in, in a couple of words there something that was really struck me. When you're talking about people who are going or have gone, whether it's been their decision or yours, um, you don't know what that person's relationship was to anyone else on the team who are left behind. And so even if you are, you know, dialed into your team, even if you are, you know, good buddies in inverted quotes with your team, you know, uh, as much as any boss ever can be, um, <laughs> you just don't know who's that person's best friend is. You you don't right. know. Like, so, so whatever the reason for leaving, whether it's, you know, graduating or a performance issue or anywhere in between, you have to be really careful about how you communicate about the person who's gone because, you, you you neither want to make it seem like the end of the world <laughs> right. or or that you're you know kind of uh ding dong the witch is dead right yeah <laughs> i wasn't gonna go there but you went there okay <laughs> yeah. it's me that's or what that. we do we go there yeah right? exactly but but like you can't you have to be in, on that side of things you have to be really quite neutral so you and you have to just concentrate on what's left not what has gone right right yeah no i i think that's that's exactly right and and yeah, I think there's also a risk to it if you're talking about people that leave the organization to go somewhere else. Um, mm. They're they're likely still talking to their friends back at your company. Yeah, yeah. And in some cases, the grass may be greener. If like my team, we've gone through a really rough back to school. It's been one of the worst ones we've had since 2014. And oh. I know as folks leave, that's and they're saying, "Hey, it's it's great over here." Yeah. You know, maybe the benefits are better, or it's just less stress, or whatever. They're hearing that. I'm not hearing that half of the conversation as a leader. All I'm all, all I get to do is assume that something like that's going on and do my best to to provide that clear communication and to take care of the folks that are still here, mm. um, to make sure that that I'm myself and the company is able to meet their needs the best way we can. Otherwise, again, there's there's a, there's a risk element there that we didn't have. If if you know if if your buddy is in out a new company, if he wasn't there, he wouldn't know that there was an opening and you know the great whatever that they've got there. So. Yeah, no, I think, particularly I think there's if, always a risk particularly there. if that's yeah, particularly if that's a positive transition, right? A good person has left. They're telling a great story from the other side of this this sort of imaginary fence, and yeah, I mean, yeah. 
I've been I've been in the in the industry a long time, Matt, and I can tell you I have been on both sides of that conversations multiple times, and I only know of one occasion where my former manager <laughs> was 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 aware that that conversation had happened. Um, and yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, people will people will tell the good stories of where they've gone to for sure. Yeah. So yeah. we just need to be doing the right thing and be ready for that. And again, um, I treat every single person leaving my team as a, as a positive thing where, Hey, I'm excited mm. for your career. I'm yeah. excited for, you know, tell me about what's going on. I'm not, people come, Oh, are, are you mad? I didn't want you to be mad at me. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm just excited. We have a conversation when they start and it's like, Hey, you're not going to be likely. You're not going to be retiring from this job, right? This is not the last job any of us are going to have. I want to make sure that I am setting you up, not just to be a good illuminator, you know, someone that works mm. in illuminate mm. um, to know technically how to do your job, but I want you to be a better person and ready for that next opportunity, whatever that looks like, whether that's in our company or, or without. And I'm, I'm genuinely excited and happy for them. Yeah. It may mean that there's a lot of change that I've got to go through and it's going to be a hassle. And oh my gosh, I had everything dialed and now it's not. That may be on yeah. the inside, but, but I think we do have to be as leaders genuinely excited and, and again, ready for good people to leave because that happens. That's, that's life. And it's not necessarily, it could be, it's not necessarily a reflection on your leadership or where the company's at, but um, but knowing that that's going to happen at some point, how do I how do I set myself up as a leader for success in that? So hopefully today this conversation that we've had is a little helpful for other folks out there either to cement some things that they already knew about um, or to put some new ideas in their heads as they're as they're going through a, a season of of change and transition for for a lot of folks in the industry. Mm, yeah, it it certainly has, and uh, I think the the top bit of advice um, that I think everyone should take away from this conversation is be prepared because it's going to happen. Exactly. Yeah. There's lots you can do. Thanks so much, Matt. Thank you for coming on again. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. And Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Likewise. (laughs) That's it for today. Go to customersupportleaders.com forward slash 229 for the show notes. And I'll see you next time.